and it is live. We are live, ladies and gentlemen, with the two Ryans. This is a fun podcast here today. You recognize the beautiful face of our owner, Ryan Middleton. Yes, he paid me to say that, but, you know, 20 bucks <laughs> is 20 bucks. And Ryan Cavanaugh. Ryan Cavanaugh, for those of you who have not met Ryan yet, he is the newest voice of 247 Fighting Championships. We even made you a little, you know, end plate here, a little graphic for you, Ryan. So Ryan's going to be jumping on the 247 FC team to provide commentary on fight night, to join us on the podcast. I'm sure there will be other opportunities for Ryan along the way as well to be involved, but we're stoked to have him. Ryan, if you can just kind of introduce yourself to our audience, let them know where you come from, what you've done, and why you're here. Yeah, first of all, this is this will be my second show with you guys um, and uh, blown away by a lot of the aspects of what you guys bring from a promotional standpoint, which we can talk about. But uh, regarding my background, I've been doing television for about 15 years, uh, a lot of football, other sports. I've worked for Fox Sports Ohio, uh, Spectrum, basically every news or uh, station in, in Ohio. And I've worked for probably close to 10 different MMA promotions. For those guys from Ohio, uh, the NAAFS, um, Big Guns, uh, I worked for uh, Pinnacle FC in uh, the Pittsburgh area. So between those two states, I've had a chance and a pleasure of, of calling a bunch of fighters from that Pittsburgh area. In fact, I talked to Kama for a little bit yesterday, uh, and I called his first professional fight and then another one for Pinnacle down the line. So, um, you know, when you think about how long Kama's been in the game, I guess I've been doing it for about just as long and uh, had an opportunity. There was a promotion, Roctagon, where a few years ago I, I uh, did shows in Indianapolis, a couple shows in Texas. Uh, there was like Pennsylvania that year for Pinnacle. So there was like four different states I worked for. Um, but look, certainly excited to be on board with you guys and, and love the product. That's awesome, man. When you when you mention NAAFS, it definitely gives me a little blast of nostalgia, too, because when I was in college at West Virginia University and I was just starting out in journalism and reporting and writing and all that, the first MMA event I ever saw in person and covered in person was an NAAFS show in Morgantown. So definitely a soft spot in my heart for that promotion and everything they did. They always treated me really well. And that kind of gave me my start in the MMA space as well. So it's funny, man, all these years later, it's got to be about a decade later where our paths are crossing again here with 247. Yeah. Small world, man. But you know what? The regional MMA uh, world is a small one. You know, if you're in it long enough, you're going to cross paths with a lot of people. That's very true. So Ryan Middleton, I don't know. Maybe we should call you guys by your last names for this show. I don't know. But uh, what like one thing that I've noticed with Ryan and the way he runs 247 FC is in intense attention to detail, I would call it like nothing. There's no expense spared. Like there's no taking the easy route on things. It's about doing everything right, making sure everything's professional. And I think if you guys come to our shows, that definitely you will notice that that attention to detail I'm talking about and that this is not your average regional MMA promotion by any means. So Ryan, when you first heard Ryan Cavanaugh, I know anytime there's a decision for you to add somebody to the team, you you don't just add to the team to add to the team. It's got to be the right guy. They got to be skilled, professional, on time, all the things that you look for in a really buttoned up promotion. So what about Ryan impressed you from the jump? Well, just, you know, 
we're always looking to take things to the next level and take steps up and, and move forward as opposed to just being stagnant and, you know, we're, we're never comfortable, right? And so, um, you know, when I talk, I talked to Mike Moran and he, he mentioned Ryan to me and basically said, like, this is the guy, like, this guy is awesome. And so, you know, it was, it was a, a moment where I was just like, well, I took a look at what he's done. I heard him. He sounded great. How does that translate to MMA fitting in with 247? That remains to be seen, but it was kind of a one, a one shot deal. And then when I went back and listened to the broadcast of our last show, which, which was Brawlenberg 9, um, it just blew my mind. Um, how good it was, how, um, how how professional he was just knowing the the fighters doing homework doing the research um and so i uh, i was just completely blown away and it was music to my ears i don't know if i'm trying to get rid of these to have a better sound did that did that improve my sound yeah, quality guys it made it way better yep it instantly solved okay, the I'm problem not hearing anything but yes it did here Sorry, you go. We'll use, we'll use sign language. Well, you can you at least right hear now. me. So I can't yeah. hear you. I'm going to figure that out. But um, <laughs> just how like super, super job that he did. And that like opened the door to, hey, do you want to like do these regularly with us? Like we have, we're growing. We have lots of opportunities. And um, it was a fit and it meshed well. And we love Ryan and his commentary. As a matter of fact, I think. Craig Perry's fight that we showed on the last podcast um, had had you calling that, so that was a, a, a you know people could hear the commentary there. Uh, but just a great job, and we're super stoked to have Ryan on board. Absolutely, man. I'm glad you mentioned one thing that I definitely wanted to talk about with Ryan's preparation and because I can't hear anything. it was <laughs> it was super interesting. While Ryan figures out his uh, speaker issue over there. Um, he, Ryan met me before the show on Saturday at bit B nine and met me kind of backstage a couple hours in advance and, and just wanted to ask questions about the card, wanted to meet certain fighters ahead of time, talk to the fighters and coaches to gain information. And that was really impressive to me. That really showed some veteran wisdom. I would say veteran experience there knowing ahead of time, like actually talk to the guys, get your notes, get your information so that when you're on the broadcast, you know exactly what you're talking about. And if you're in this space, sure, maybe that seems like an obvious thing to do. But believe me, it's not obvious for a lot of guys. So when Ryan did it, it, it was it really showed his his veteran experience. And Ryan, how was that? How was Bit B9 for you? Because you did have to kind of hit the ground running. Like we said, that was your first show. You had Ethan Goss in the commentary booth with you and Luke Payson. So it was a three-man booth. And Goss is insane anyway. So anytime you got to work with Ethan Goss, that's – that's a challenge in its own right. But uh, no, we're kidding, Ethan. Obviously, we love you. But what what was that experience like, just hitting the ground running and having to kind of get up to speed very quickly for that show? Yeah, well, you know, one thing that I like to do, especially the first time I ever work for a promotion, is what do I see and what does it look like as soon as I walk through the venue gate? Um, and I look, I had talked to you on the phone. I talked to Ryan, but frankly, as far as you, Ryan, the rest of your staff, I, I didn't know anybody. 
uh, I had never met Luke. We had texted. I had called one of Ethan's fights, so I knew the Wolverine, but that was about it. Um, and I immediately looked, and it was the, the presentation with the stage. And then you see Ryan, uh, who may not be able to hear me here, but there's two things that stood out, if, if you don't mind. One is as soon as I come in, there's like an issue with the smoke machine. Um, and as much as I talk and I like to talk, you never learn anything by talking. You learn by observing and listening. So I sat there and watched the problem solving and what was going on. And they were pro Ryan was probably looking like, I don't know who this dude is, um, but he's awfully interested in what's happening here. And then we had another issue, minor issue about the broadcast. And what I really appreciated about Ryan, and I don't want this to turn into, hey, everybody's great, but this is the reality, is there was about 15 seconds where he was like, okay, this isn't how it's supposed to be. And then quickly pivoted to solving problems not ruminating on what the issue was and we got it solved and we moved on and that to me there's always a little bit of chaos um and i don't want to overstate it but there's there's people running around you know what it's like you guys know before a show because you've done so many but there's so many moving pieces and you're trying to take care of every little detail and if you are detail minded like 247 is the little things could turn into big things. And, and these little things are stuff that other people might just be like, oh, well, who cares? We'll figure it out or the show will go on. That wasn't the way you guys worked. It wasn't how you operated. You know, there were uh, problems with the commission, fighters dipping from the arena and coming back in. I was backstage with you, Hunter, uh, with some of that going on and again, observing and talking. Um, and in any event, one of the th there's a couple of things that stood out for from my first experience and one of them was that that the calm under pressure and under storm because you know the minute your your temperature starts rising you're more concerned about what the problem was and not what the solution is and that's no way to run a business that's number one in my opinion um number number two from a fighting standpoint you had ricky claybaugh who was oh and one uh, Nathan Kabaski, who was 0-0, and after that fight, I'm like, is this the, this is what these fights, this is what this promotion puts on? Because that could have been an amateur main event on a pro-am card. And then it went up to Cliff Richards and Mar Mar Mathis, and um, I, I was blown away at the level. You guys just mentioned Craig Perry, and I'll dovetail that into part of my process. Um, you know, I, I call out of high school football, I do some college football as well, but the amount of preparation it takes to do a high school football game pales into comparison if I was doing the Steelers or uh, University of Pitt because all the information is there for you. Very similarly, when you're going to do an 0-0 fighter like Craig Perry coming in, you have no tape. You have no footage. And a lot of times, even these pros, you can't find the footage. But if, if, you, if Craig Perry or anybody, Sean McGuire, if they're going to fight in a fight, they deserve the announcers to act and know as much about them as you would Jeremiah Scott and Kama Worthy, who's headlining this one. So maybe that means there's more for me. You know, I, I saw the podcast last week and uh, I, it brought back com my commentary talking about Conor McGregor and his style with that. And when we first talked, guys, I said, I don't think I've prepared for the show if I use all my material. I need to have things on the cutting room floor. And that's how I know I was truly prepared. And, it, and as soon as I saw that clip, it reminded me that he told me a cool story. Craig Perry did that. He played hockey and he was a goalie. And you can put any, and I'm 95% I'm sure I'm remembering this, but he had a Conor McGregor decal on his helmet. 
And then you watch him in the cage and it it's like, uh, you know, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. He's not imitating him. He's got the style down and it works for Craig Perry. Yeah, he was super impressive, man, in general. And I know Sean McGuire's coach, James Gray, was very complimentary as well about how good Craig's stand-up was. Like you said, he he looked like Conor McGregor, moved like Conor McGregor. You can tell that he loved Conor and Conor's style, and that's definitely not a bad guy to emulate for a young up-and-comer. I think it's really funny, man, talking to a lot of these amateurs, a lot of these younger guys that are in that 18 to 25-year-old range, how many of them absolutely love Conor. Because for us, I feel like Connor's kind of getting he's kind of getting stale to me at least. You know what I mean? Like he's definitely peaked. He's definitely on the way down now, it feels like. But there's a lot of these younger kids that Connor got them into the sport. And you can tell that Connor is the reason they care about MMA. And it's it's very funny to see that happen. And then to see a guy like Craig adapt that style almost completely. You know, he look he like you said, he literally moves and fights like Connor on the feet. So it's really interesting to see that, I think, in that development. But Craig, just while we're talking about him, man, he's got a really fun test here at BitB10 coming up February 5th in Monroeville. He's going to be back. He's going to be looking to shake off that loss to Sean McGuire, that split decision defeat. Anthony Morris is another fire plug, man. This guy comes out. He's looking for the finish 100% of the time. There's no way this fight can be bad. And like Ryan, I know watching the, the clip from last week, kind of got you excited to watch Craig again in action. But, man, what what are you expecting from this fight? What do you know about this matchup and, and Craig's preparation since that uh, defeat in his debut? Just Ryan? <laughs> you know, this is, I, I do need to start saying Ryan M, Ryan C. I, yeah, I meant, I meant you, Ryan C. Yeah, so what's interesting is I've only had an opportunity to talk to a couple fighters um, – you know, I've got, I've reached out, like, for example, Hunter Starner and I, uh, you know, we were supposed to connect and, and Pat and I were supposed to connect and just weren't able to, which we will next week. You know, that, again, going to the process, a big, I, Craig Perry was one of the most thoughtful young men I spoke to. We talked for like an hour on the phone and it was, you know, when you, when you have that level of maturity and intellect, what I'm going to say is without having talked to him about the adjustments he's made from the first fight to this, I know from my brief experience with him and the, and the camp he comes from that I expect him to be much improved. And that's saying a lot because he's already a great fighter for making his debut in the way he looks. But, you know, you get it when you hear Cam Allgaier talk also, you know, there's this cerebral mentality that they, they come into the cage with. And Cam talks about, well, I was in guard and I thought I could pull this off. And, and I, I knew if I stayed there, I was gonna lose the round. And you don't see amateurs that are going through that thought process. A lot of times they're just trying to defend themselves and figure out how I can punch this dude in the face. That's not, when you get to a certain level, that's not how it goes. So, you know, Craig Perry to me, because of his mindset and his mentality, and his willingness and his love for the sport, I'm, I'm looking to see him uh, come out and get after it like he did in the first fight. And, of course, Anthony Morris, despite an 0-2 record, that's that's no easy fight, man. I'm muted. And Anthony has repeatedly talked to us about the fight, been super excited about the fight. It's just a good sign in general when guys ahead of time are very engaged with the promoter, and letting us know, you know, they're excited to roll. They're very much looking forward to the opportunity to fight for us, which always feels cool. Like he, he did his research. He likes what he sees from our 
pay-per-view streams and everything. He likes the production aspect of everything. He's excited to fight for us, and he's got a tough test in Craig Perry. So that that fight just can't be bad, man. Ryan M., I know you were super impressed with Craig. Like you talked about it for, I would say, like two weeks after the fight. Man, that Craig Perry, that Craig Perry. <laughs> what What about Craig is like so exciting to you as a promoter? I think you're muted. <laughs> Technology, man. Technology's killing Ryan M. We will have to get, I don't know. Can you hear him, Ryan C.? Well, now I can't hear Ryan C either. That's no, I was muted. I can't hear him. I can't hear him. You know what? You know what? I will jump on, uh, if you don't mind, just one more thought about Anthony Morris. And yeah, this is more of, yeah, if you don't mind, just one more thing about 247 um, that stood out to me as a promotion. And I'm not talking about any other specific promotion. Let me just say, though, for the course of, you know, a decade and a half of of covering the sport, a lot of times you'll see uh, promotions bring in out of state guys that are set up to be showcase fights for the local guys. And I, that couldn't be further from the truth. You know, I mean, and I don't want to jump ahead here, but you know, Anthony Morris from Cleveland, that's a tough fight. You're bringing two guys from Connecticut from Teixeira's gym, like like Kenyon Moore, dude, that dude, that's a legitimate stud right there. Two and O facing, you know, a local guy. And you just keep, I mean, as you look at Hunter Starner, I mean, I, look, mm. I, I can't wait to talk about this fight. And my anticipation to see that fight is even bigger. I mean, that is a main event on so many different shows. Uh, and then you have Kama Worthy. And you've got Jeremiah Scott, who is coming in from out of town. And he's so well-traveled. My point is, when you see the out-of-town guy for a local promotion, a lot of times you're like, okay, this is a showcase fight for the local guy. That's not the case. And I learned that very quick, quickly at Bit B9. And um, what that does for me personally, and it should for all the 247 fans as well, is know you guys as matchmakers, general man, you're going out not to find talent to be beaten. You're going out to find talent to prepare the local guys and get them as ready as possible for the next level, which Ryan M., I don't know if we're going to be able to hear you or not, but through all the podcasts, I just love how thoughtful you are with your discussions of what amateurs should be doing. Are you tested? And when guys come from 247 to those national pro platforms, those national promotions, it doesn't do the promotion and the reputation any good if you've got inflated records where guys are coming from your promotion that have come up through your promotion and they haven't fought anybody. And uh, from what I can see, as far as the matchmaking from the last show to this and historically speaking from your shows, when these dudes go to the next level, they're battle tested because you guys have set them up to be that. we hear him i cannot and i oh, said dudes oh. i, I want to throw like when i say i, I just mean like fighters yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sid Ross, right. you know of the course. females as well like she i know she's her card fell off here but for her to be like i'm going out to find the toughest fights for me and guys can you match this up for me that mm-hmm. is that mindset's a winning mindset that's incredible Oh, it's beautiful, man. And I love that you touched on that point because that's one thing I for sure wanted to expand on. When I started with 247, I was originally not in a GM position, but more of kind of a digital marketing, just helping Ryan out, promote events a little bit. Can on you that hear me now? Yep. Yeah. 
Unfortunately, I was kind of hoping your mic wouldn't come back and we wouldn't have to listen to you. Wow. That doesn't surprise me. That's cold, man. You haven't, cold. you haven't listened to me yet. Why would you start now? That's very, that's a great, what? Sorry, sorry. What? Um, but yeah, man, like BitB8, that was my first event involved with 247. And I, I distinctly remember talking to Ryan ahead of time because this was something that surprised me as well, Ryan C., I was looking at that matchup and it was like the main event was Jake Lowry, who is, you know, one of our ultra hyped prospects. I mean, he's one of the absolute best in the region right now versus a guy in Marco Hutch. And I looked up Marco Hutch and this was a guy with legit LFA experience, Bellator experience. And his record wasn't like he wasn't like eight no or anything. But when you look at his amateur career plus his pro career, he fought the toughest guys. He got some gnarly finishes, went to decisions with very tough guys. And, it, and I was just like, that's the guy that we're going to make Jake fight. Like I distinctly remember talking to Ryan, like you really don't set up the red corner at all. Do you <laughs> like, because it was my, it was my understanding too, that like exactly like you said, like not that you're given powder puff matchups or obvious squash matches, but you want some of them are. Yeah, sure. Sure. But you want to set up the home team, so to speak, to do well for the crowd. But man, that is just not what two, four, seven does at all. And it's not, not that we don't care about our local fighters at all, because that couldn't be farther from the truth either. But it's exactly what Ryan M was saying. Like, we want them to get the right kind of preparation, A, because they need it when they go to that next level. That's what we want to do. We don't want Jake Lowry to have 10 fights for us. Do, is there a part of us that would love Jake Lowry to have 10 fights for us and be a superstar and sell a bunch of tickets all the time? Of course. But what we really want from Jake Lowry is to get insane experience, get tested and be ready to go to Bellator, the UFC and make a career for himself fighting and then live his best life as a professional fighter. So that's really what we want to do here. And you don't get them there by giving them easy matchups. It would have done Jake Lowry absolutely no good to just go out, take a dude down real fast and submit him in 30 seconds. Whereas against Hutch in that fight, he actually, Jake got dropped very early. The first round was probably a 10-8 round for Hutch. It had to be a 10-8 round for Hutch. And then Jake had to dig deep, come back, battle-tested. He came back, got a submission at the end. And it was an amazing come-from-behind performance that proved to him that he has that in him. He has that fight, that ability to survive. Now, imagine he gets to the UFC. He's never been tested. He gets tagged and dropped. Now he's in front of... 20,000 people going nuts in the biggest moment of his life. And he's never been here before. You know, that's not the situation that we want somebody like Jake Lowry to be in. So getting them those experiences now, I think is super crucial. So yeah, that it's funny that you mentioned that because that was one thing I distinctly remember talking to Ryan when he was showing me some of the matchups. I'm like, dude, this doesn't like favor our guy at all. <laughs> you know, I was like, this is crazy. What are we doing here? Well, and, and I think it's important to note, you know, the, we all have self-doubt, right? Like we question ourselves when we're down, like, we're like, why am I doing this? Like that happened to Jake in a fight. Now he, he'd never had that happen to him. And guess what? He, he overcame that. And so now when that happens to him, when he is on that next level, he can go back to that and say like, no, I can turn this around. Like he can have confidence that he's, he's, had been in a dog fight before he's been in a war and he's overcome um you know adversity major adversity very early on and hung in there and did it so he doesn't have to question himself in a fight that 
that matters. He knows like, okay, I, I got to get my bearings and, and get my, get my feet back under me. Um, so that, that I, I told Isaac after that fight, I remember talking to him like after the show had ended, we were right by the cat, uh, the, the, the ramp coming down. And, and I said to him, this is a game changer for Jake. Like this is a game changer fight. He, 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 he will never go be in a fight and think, this one's too much for me because he had that and he battled back from it already. Yep. And it was crazy. I remember talking to them both Isaac and Jake backstage after that fight. And Jake was definitely down on himself after that performance immediately after, you know, you would think a, a big comeback submission like that, he would have been on cloud nine, but it was the complete opposite. He was upset with himself. You could tell that the first round went the way that it did. And Isaac was there telling him, man, like that's that's UFC level stuff that you just showed, like getting handled like that in the first round, surviving, maintaining positions that were smart. I mean, Hutch not only dropped him like in the first 10 seconds, but then had his back for like four minutes going for some. Like we said, Hutch was a super dangerous finishing art. Like that was actually how we promoted the fight, like finishing artist Marco, Hutt, like all he does is finish fights like that's what he does. And he had him while he was fresh, but could not finish Jake Lowry, even even though Jake was a little rocked and in pure survival and defense mode. And, so, and not slippery yet. Yeah, exactly. And I, and Isaac just kept saying it like like Jake, I, that was UFC level stuff. Like that was amazing from you. Like that was what it's all about. So, yeah, I mean, it's not that it's not that by any means we're hoping to send out the hometown guy there to get crushed or anything like that. Like, don't don't twist it into that either, because that's certainly not the case. But when we can give them fights with the potential for that experience, I think that's huge. And I mean, we just talked about Craig Perry. What another perfect example. You know, Sean McGuire ate everything that Craig could throw at him, repeatedly secured the takedown and kind of showed Craig that. He's going to have to work on his takedown defense or his work off the bottom if he's going to really succeed at that upper next level. So I guarantee you Craig's been working very hard on that and is excited to show it off. So these are the kind of matchups that we have to look forward to. I know we talked about it last week a lot with all the novice amateur matchups. They're they're just they're amazing fights. They're amazing matchups. I'm 100% just as excited to watch them as I am for the pro fights legitimately. But I do want to transition to one that we touched on a, a little bit that I think is just the ultimate example of like the the best amateur fight that you could possibly show. And I'm sure you both know which one that's going to be. I'm going to throw it up on the screen. Cam's title fight versus Hunter Starner is just preposterously good. Like like six and zero versus six and zero, two of the best amateur bandweights. Like go to Tapology right now and look these guys up and look at their rankings. They're two of the best. There's, it's unquestionable. And Hunter Starner actually defeated Josh Armstrong already. And Josh Armstrong fights Justin Patton on the pro card. So it's funny that there's like a common opponent between them two. And Hunter actually won. And Josh is the guy fighting Patton on the pro card. So just to show what level Hunter's at, it's pretty ridiculous. And Cam is right there too. Like we've said about Cam repeatedly, obviously he's somebody that our listeners and our viewers, our fans are very familiar with. Cam is like, we genuinely don't know how good he is yet because he handles guys with relative ease. So Hunter is a guy that I think is going to be able to push him to that next level. Like we were just talking about with Jake and Hutch, you know, 
this could be the fight that really unlocks Cam's full potential and lets us see exactly what Cam's got. So this is the one that if I just had to mark one fight on the card in terms of just absolute top quality, this is the first one I think of. Ryan, um, I'm going to jump in here. So I would argue this isn't promoter speak. This is whoever wins this fight, in my opinion, is the number one amateur bantamweight fighter in the country. Now, there that's that's saying a lot. There are some fantastic, but you look at these other bantamweights, they're not running through guys like these two are. Uh, Both of these guys have had issues finding people to challenge them. Both of these guys, like, have beat guys that are top-level guys and done it and not really had – it hasn't been a difficult – you know, they haven't had (laughs) – like, we we were surprised in the last fight with Cam because he got put on his back for the first time. Mm -hmm. And and then he submitted someone from – like, it's just ridiculous. Like – you get put on your back for the first time. It's like, wow, he's human. Oh, wait, no. He he actually like kind of like allowed himself to go on his back and then submitted the undefeated prospect quickly. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. Both of these guys are the same way. It's insane, man. I'm just showing real quick here, sharing the screen. Cam is ranked second in Pennsylvania and second in the entire U.S. Northeast in tapology and hunter starner is first in virginia and third in the u.s southeast so it's it's like ryan said i mean this is genuinely as good as it gets and whoever wins will have a a real claim to that number one spot you know the guy that's ahead of cam is drew dixon he's eight and one and i think he's turning pro i'm not 100 positive on that but i think he's actually turning pro so if he does obviously cam will take over that number one spot but if cam wins this fight he might too i don't know exactly how the tapology algorithm works but it's point being these guys are right there at the top already whoever wins this can only go one direction and that's up to number one so it's completely ridiculous what i like most about hunter starner is he was going to turn pro in january and then he said, well, wait a minute. You're going to put me up against the best guy up there. I'm going to wait to go pro because that's the type of thing I'm looking for. Think about that. You know, he put his professional career on hold to come up in enemy territory and take on Cam. Uh, you know, Ryan, you made a good point. That was the first time Cam's ever been taken down in a fight. Well, you know, his response of subbing him, maybe other other uh, future opponents might think twice about taking him down, but not Hunter Starner. I mean, this might be the best wrestler he's faced. And the question is, who's the better MMA wrestler next Saturday? Like, who is it? Hunter Starner has Division I wrestling chops. Watching his fights, he's so powerful. He's got a variety of takedowns. Um, And from a technical aspect, I love everything Hunter Starner does. Uh, I heard Patton talking about training, cross-training with Cam, Uh, recently, I was probably on Luke's podcast and he said, made a comment. I don't know if you guys heard this, but he made a comment about, uh, he felt like Cam was going easier on him. He's like, where was that guy in the cage who wouldn't let me move? When you have someone who's as good as uh, Justin Patton saying, I couldn't move because of how powerful Cam was, that tells you everything you need to know because you can't learn that from watching film or footage. 
But I, you know, I remember I was training jujitsu with Brian Rogers, who went on to Bellator. We were rolling once, and I felt like there was a baby grand piano on top of me. And that's when I realized, like, this isn't for me because I have no chance of moving this dude. I, you could, I could, my buddy, bring a forklift in, and Brian Rogers is not getting off of me. <laughs> when you feel that type of pressure, it, it's unique. Now, you see Hunter Starner on film and footage, and you're like, okay, who can he deal with that pressure? Who's going to take who down and what are they going to do with it? It is the most intriguing matchup I've seen at an amateur level in a really long time. Uh, and I don't know. I love, I, like you guys said, the, the competition is there. They both have that dog in them and it's going to be a real unique, but this is what I was speaking about guys. You, you don't, you're not going to get cam as a promotion. You're not looking to get cam a layup. You're looking to get cam tested. You're looking to figure out, hey, what's he going to do when the best dude from down south comes up here? Like, what is this going to look like? And the only thing I can tell you for sure is that Hunter Starner and Cam are both going to leave this fight being better fighters, regardless mm -hmm. of who gets the W. They're both going to be better fighters. 100%. You want to know what's you know what I know what's funny is I've heard people say, I mean, I've heard through Grapevine people say like, oh, this guy picks cherry picks fights and he blah 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 like dude there has I, I will go on record i've been here from day one there has never been an opponent that we've sent to cam and his team that they have ever turned down not one not one opponent as a matter of fact there have been guys that we have suggested like hey like this guy's pretty good like that they've said like if you can find someone better like i want the best i want to face the best and so yeah it, it's crazy how you know we're just tapping into his his talent he's so talented and the we talked about wrestling if this was a wrestling match i, I mean i'm gonna go on record and just say i think hunter has a clear edge in pure wrestling MMA wrestling, Cam has mastered as as it transit. Cam was, you know, he's a solid wrestler. He was always a solid wrestler. But, like, Hunter was on another level as far as pure wrestling pedigree. Transitioning that to MMA, Cam has done it as good as anyone. And his MMA wrestling is out of this world. So, who's better MMA wrestler? We, we may or may not find out. This is the type of fight that you think, like, oh, this is going to be a battle of, like, there's going to be a lot of grappling. Lot, yeah. It could be a complete stand-up. This could be the – who knows? Who knows with this one? Well, that's what's so beautiful about it is you legitimately can't get a read on it, and no matter what happens, it's going to be quality. It's not like I don't want to watch Cam and Hunter Starner on the feet. Like, I would love to see that because we've seen so little of Cam's stand-up, but we've heard – I know from Ethan, from the team at Gorilla House, we've heard that Cam has much better stand-up than we've ever seen in the cage because he just hasn't ever had to use it. So the fact that he might actually have to use it is pretty exciting to me as well, that we can finally see what he's got there. I think this is kind of a quirky, like funny angle of this fight, but one of my favorite things about this fight too is that on paper, you know, 6-0, 6-0, they're blowing through everybody. It looks like it's the same guy. These could not be two different looking fighters. You know what I mean? Like, like Hunter Starner is this chiseled D1 wrestler that looks like he was made in a lab to fight. 
And then Cam Allgaier is doing engineering homework on a graphing calculator backstage. Like that's, I'm not making that up. Like Cam Allgaier literally does engineering homework with a graphing calculator backstage at our events. Like he, he is the ultimate sleeper fighter. Like you see this guy and you just think, now nah, there's no way. And then he's got a hold of you and, and you're, you're dying. You're, you're, <laughs> you're tapping out 30 seconds in because he's just a beast. So I love the dynamic of that too. Just how funny this, this fight is how different those two fighters are um, in that. I'm pretty regard. sure. I'm pretty sure Cam has a pretty good physique as well, though. I mean, he's he's jacked, but if he's just wearing a t-shirt, you know what I mean. Like yes. once he takes his shirt off, you're like, oh, oh, dang. Like, oh, okay, we get it. But yeah, like if he's just in a t-shirt and sweatpants, like he is backstage doing his homework with his glasses on. Come on. <laughs> well, that that's what I noticed about his last yeah. opponent. Um, who, who was his? Asher, Asher. Frederick. Asher. Yeah. Asher, like. Like until he took his shirt off, you're just like, oh, just, you know, some kid. And then he takes his shirt off, and you're like, well, like, wow. Like, <laughs> he, he was he was built like Uriah Faber, <laughs> yeah. like he was a little stump, I, little ripped stump. I want to know if Cam has called Tapology the people there and said, whatever you do, don't change my photo because right. I want people to see and be like, oh, I'm gonna roll this guy. Have, have mm -hmm. you seen? I don't know if you've seen the picture of him on Tapology. It's not what he looks like. Uh, but it definitely didn't do me. And then you saw Asher. I was going to ask you guys, were you, you see, like, and, and then you put Hunter Starter up there. Like you said, he looks like he's in a lab. I, I thought after the Asher Frederick fight, you guys were like, okay, we're going to scour the nation to find somebody that looks better than Asher Frederick. And then you found this guy. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's the qualification we went with. Like, who has a physical, like, who's the most Greek godly looking? Look at this yep, guy. That's actually exactly what we do. Asher had the hair too, which you know, props for that. He had the hair flow too. Yeah, yeah. I had a, I had hair envy more than the abs. Uh, <laughs> looking at that, I was like, God, I'd love to have those locks. That's hilarious. Well, well, but yeah. Cam, that was his picture, I believe, from our photo shoot for um, our first for no, maybe our second show, which was Brawl in the Berg, just Brawl in the Berg, the first Brawl in the Berg. Um, mm. So that's that's probably from 2019. He yep. should leave it, just you know, because he, obviously he's evolved physically. But um, from an intimidation standpoint, I think he should just leave the photo. Like it yeah. is, I, it's fun. And, and just since we pulled up Asher Frederick there for a second, I, I if you were watching and saw the shared screen, you probably noticed. But Asher is five and one. Obviously, that loss being Cam. So like. When Ryan Middleton was talking about how Cam and his team wants the hardest guys and intentionally handpicks the hardest guys, like what a perfect example. You know, Cam's last fight, it was five and zero versus five and zero. Now it's six and zero versus six and zero. Like he's he's for sure not a guy who's going to cherry pick. Or yeah, anything and like before that. that, when he won the title, it was against Justin Patton, who is now pro and you know one of the top local. You know. It, that was a battle of the top local bantamweights and uh, amateur bantamweights. Yeah. So, one hundred percent. Do you know this guy that just commented on Facebook, Ryan M. Edwin Vera? I, I've never heard of who. who, who <clears throat> saying what's up, baby? You Edward. heard, Edwin. This is Ryan Cavanaugh. We need to we need to talk this week, so I'll hit you up on Facebook to uh, to coordinate that. But and let me just say now publicly, I can't wait to call your fight, man. I can't wait. This is going to be. Man, it's gonna that's that's another sleeper. That's another sleeper. 
this is one that might turn into a literal sleeper in my opinion like somebody somebody's getting put down in this one man this is a insane fight between two of the most exciting guys that we could possibly match together edwin is a 247 fc lifer man like he's fought his whole career with us which is amazing and we're very thankful for him and his team for uh putting their faith in us and, and liking what we do obviously so Edwin puts on barn burners, man. If you've ever seen an Edwin Vera fight, you know what you're getting. You know that it's all out action. And one thing that I really respect from Edwin ahead of this fight, man, he's sharpening up his hands big time with Richie Canalina out at the Sanctuary Boxing Club. I was there the other day, got to see him putting in some work, man. He, he looks phenomenal. You can tell he's taking this fight incredibly seriously. Um, if there was a knock on Edwin maybe in his past fights was that he's a little too willing to fight. Like he's that guy who if you hit him in the face, he's going to want to hit you right back and he doesn't care if he has to eat another one to get it done. But he's looking extremely polished, extremely sharp right now. So, man, this this fight, like you said, Ryan C, it is it is one that absolutely can steal the show. And I just I just wrote that blog post about the advanced amateurs on this card and and this fight, man. If, if you're picking an early fight of the night contender, you have a hard time convincing me it won't be this one. One, one thing about I, – I, I agree. I co-sign on all that, man. This That fight is going to be bonkers, man. One thing about this card that you guys have assembled, you lose, you lose the Ethan Goss fight, Sid Ross. You lose t- the title fight, and those two competitors – and that would generally like maybe not decimate, but really cut into the card. And I'm looking at this card as it is right now, up and down. And I'm like, I don't even know what fight I'm not really excited to watch. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, how do you, we haven't even mentioned Gavin Teasdale, you know, like how do you put together, assemble a card where Ethan Goss and Sid Ross fall off and you're still like, Really? That would have just been the, the icing and the cherry on top of this card. But um, not to take away from my guy, Edwin, but that man. And Richie Canalita, another Pittsburgh area OG. You get those guys yep. together. And I know I saw some photos. That looked like a really cool spot to train the sanctuary. Man, it's super nice. It's an old converted church, obviously. So the name is super fitting. They got super nice hardwood floors in there. It might be that, you know, laminate or whatever. I don't think it's actual hardwood. It's probably not the best to train on, but it looks beautiful in there. Richie and Quincy McCombs were there leading classes and they're doing great work with people of all ages and skill levels. That's what blew me away. I mean, there were kids there that looked about, and I'm not kidding, like four to five years old. Like, I can't imagine trying to teach a four-year-old how to box, but they're doing it. And like I'm watching this little four, five, six-year-old girl at the at the absolute most, she was six, but I bet she's closer to four, doing the drills like correctly. I was like, how do you even instruct a four-year-old how to do this? Like it's not the easiest stuff ever, but they're getting it done, man. And Richie says repeatedly, like how much this role as a coach and opening the gym has helped him as both a fighter and an instructor. So now when he goes to work with Edwin, even though Edwin is obviously far more advanced and far more along in his career, that ability to communicate clearly as Richie has to do with a four-year-old that allows him to explain things to his actual fight team that much better and prepare him that much better. So I'm really excited to see how that works paid off. And Edwin Vera immediately after boxing at sanctuary was headed back to the mat factory for a night 
workout and training. So, I mean, you want to talk about a grinder, like go polish your hands up with Richie and then go get some of that classic Matt factory goodness too, man. That's, that's a day. And Edwin's telling me that's been this whole fight camp for him. That's he's, he's committed. He's focused. He looks good. He looks like he's probably on weight right now. I mean, he was shredded. So I'm like you said, that, that fight's just going to rule, man. I'm, I'm super stoked. I, I was really glad to hear that, you know, Edwin was back with Richie. You, you talk about good people in this industry. You know, you talk about people that care and have a big heart. And there's no one, there's no one that has a bigger heart and, and than Richie. And the dude is a, a, a complete animal, but he cares about his people. And, and, you know, he looks can be very uh, deceiving. You know, he ha- he's the guy that has the neck tattoos and he, and he looks like a intimidating person. And he is, if, I mean, he's a, he's a professional boxer that's undefeated. Like he's awesome and big heart, great guy has, has everyone's back, wants everyone to succeed, wants to pour into people. And so, you know, I, 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 I don't know that Edwin has been like training with him um, over the course, like uh, previously, but I know now he is, um, but it's nice to see him back with him because I think that Richie does wonders with people and he's just, he's an amazing guy and an amazing coach, but yeah, like you look at him and you're like, Whoa, like, I don't like, I'm not even going to talk to him. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah, he's like right. the nicest guy you're ever going to meet and a great person. Yep. So. Yeah, that's super true, man. So it was cool, like you said, to see Edwin back there with him and that team kind of rounding out his game for this fight camp. And we didn't talk a ton about Austin Martinez. Obviously, we know a lot less about him because he's never fought for us before. He's the out-of-town blue corner, of course. But from what we've heard from Austin, it was kind of – it reminded me a lot of Anthony Morris, actually, the same reaction as far as being super excited for this. Austin, as soon as we gave him the green light to announce the fight, he was posting on Facebook like – this is the opportunity I've been waiting for, like a classy, like high level promotion just asked me to fight for them. Like I couldn't be more excited to put on a show out in Pittsburgh. He's had awesome communication with us all the way. And he's a finishing machine, man. I mean, look at his topology as well. He's he's one of those guys. I think he's five and five, but he's he's going out for the kill each and every time. And that shows he's he got he won his last fight in eight seconds by knockout. So an eight-second knockout's tough to top. You know, we did our 2021 best finishes at 247, and David Krause was up there at the top with his 11- or 12-second knockout. Austin Martinez got you by four seconds, bro. You got to do better next time, David. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was yeah. a head kick, too. I think it was a, a it head was. kick knockout. He's got yeah. four, four knockouts and five finishes, and you got Edwin Vera, who always comes after. But what I think is interesting is when you see a guy – who, um, as, as you said, Hunter, takes that extra time in one area, be it jujitsu or wrestling or your boxing, you want to go show that off. You know, you 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 now have uh, an improved confidence in your skill set in that area. So you're looking at a, and I'm not, I haven't talked to either of these guys yet. I will before the fight. But when you look at that record and, and a head kick knockout in eight seconds and a guy who's working with Richie, improving his hands, which were already good, you you see the potential here for a real firecracker, like like you said, someone's going to sleep type fight. Yeah, and Richie, I thought this was really interesting too. I was just talking to Richie at, at Sanctuary. 
And it, it amazed me, Richie, as a coach, how much he knew about Austin Martinez already. There's not a ton of footage, obviously, out there for a lot of these amateur fighters, but Richie was talking to me about some of the tendencies he's noticed and things like that. Obviously, I'm not going to talk about them or tell you what specifically, but he was telling me things that he saw in footage that they're working on with Edwin. So I thought that spoke a lot to his commitment as a coach. You know, a lot of coaches might just say, ah, we'll get you ready for a fight. Like, if you can fight, you can fight. But Richie's looking at it as... Here's specifically what Austin Martinez likes to do. Here's where we can find some openings. And I thought that was really cool to see for sure at this level. Um, guys, I mean, we met, you mentioned it in passing, Ryan Cavanaugh. We can't not talk about this fight. We got to talk about Gavin Teasdale's MMA debut. I mean, this, I, Ryan Middleton for sure knows from the second that we started talking to Gavin that Gavin told us he wanted to start fighting. I was like, Mark that one on my calendar, like clear everything. I'm so excited to see Gavin Teasdale fight. And this matchup, I know it's become the theme of this podcast. And I don't want to beat it to death, but Tyler Fry is the most opposite of a scrub matchup for a debut that you could find. He's, he instructs, first of all, at Central PA MMA. He's one of the Muay Thai instructors, I believe, there. So, like, his striking is incredibly mm -hmm. high level. And if you, if you want something that will frustrate a wrestler – you know, keep the fight on the feet and beat him up on the feet. So Tyler Fry is obviously going to be looking to do that. I just this is this is one for me too that I just cannot wait to see. Not to mention that he's constantly competing in jujitsu and also Muay Thai, and you know now he's transitioning to MMA and he got his first MMA bout under his belt, and he doesn't have the the first. I know Gavin has been in big stages before and all that as as a wrestler, but. You can say it's not it's the same thing, but until you close that cage door and you know that someone is trying to take you into unconsciousness, there's nothing that compares to that. And so, um, you know, it's an unknown still for Gavin, and I think you can't underestimate that. What I like about this matchup and what you guys did here is, let me just pose this question. What would be the easiest matchup for Gavin Teasdale? Probably another new wrestler. Absolutely, because you couldn't find somebody with the wrestling chops of Gavin Teasdale. I mean, you could go get a a, a three and O amateur who has done it by wrestling and, gr and ground and pound and control, and that's an easier fight for Gavin Teasdale because that's mm -hmm. his world. One hundred and sixty-two and two in high school, like the thirteenth ever four-time state champ in Pennsylvania. I don't know if we you mentioned it. I'm in Cancun right now with my family. And I ran into a mixed martial arts fan and I was talking about your show coming up. And I'm like, he's not from Pennsylvania. I'm like, I don't know if you understand what Pennsylvania wrestling is, but you know, those t-shirts will be like Pittsburgh versus the world or whatever. I legitimately think you could do Pennsylvania versus the world in high school wrestling. And that's a fair matchup. And I'm coming from yeah. Ohio guys. Ohio is no slouch <laughs> in the wrestling game. And in fact, any of my friends in the wrestling game that see this are not going to be happy with me admitting it and acknowledging this. But when you say four-time state champ, Pennsylvania wrestler of the year, you got to go. No wonder you're excited when he said he wanted to fight because you can't, you don't find people in the UFC with this level of uh, accolades and background. Now, that being said, this is what I think is the toughest matchup. A Muay Thai guy, a guy who is capable on the ground with jujitsu. I like what you said, Ryan, always competing. Like, you know, in other sports, you don't want someone to be uh, one sport. Like I just play football. And the reason for that is 
while you might be training that sport the rest of the season, you're not competing. And there's something to be said about constantly being in competition. So, um, you know, you look at some of the other fighters on this card who on their topology, they have boxing, they have Muay Thai win or loss. Obviously you want to see a guy who wins, but the fact that they're getting outside of their comfort zone, outside of the cage and competing means that they're sharpening that mental tool. They're sharpening that the stomach, the butterflies, you're becoming more familiar with that. Gavin has said all the right things in the lead up to this fight. I've been on big stages. I've accomplished everything you could ask. This is going to be another day. I also like what Gavin said. And one thing uh, was I, I put myself in uncomfortable positions in training. That's the most important thing. It, it really in life, you know, make yourself uncomfortable and see how you respond in fighting. It's even more important. And for, uh, I mean, look, he's as accomplished of a, of a fighter, of a wrestler as you could be at this stage. The cage is going to be a little different stepping in there. It, again, there's a little bit of an unknown factor to this fight. In addition to having, you know, someone of Gavin Teasdale's credentials stepping in. I mean, that's a big name to be fighting on this card. So, mm -hmm. No doubt. And I want to give full credit to Indio Dojo where Gavin Teasdale's training and their their coach and owner there, Danilo Villafort. I think something that can't be understated and that I don't know if we've even talked about this before, Ryan M., but Gavin wanted to fight for us at Bitby 9 on October 23rd is when Gavin actually wanted to make his MMA debut. And obviously, you know, we were looking for matchups, looking to accommodate, and Danilo kind of stepped in and was like, I don't think I don't think he's ready yet, guys. And he knew, Danilo knew even then, like for sure – he could take this guy down and control him and win the fight. Like Gavin's that good. He, he never lost the wrestling. Like obviously that's still there. But he wanted to make sure that Gavin, it was exactly what you just said, those uncomfortable positions. He's like, I don't think Gavin's had enough experience yet having active submission attempts thrown up at him, having to fight out of submissions, having being in bad positions. He's so used to dominating, to being on top, to controlling everything. But in MMA, as we've seen it, you don't you don't get to control every second of the fight usually. And what are you going to do when you can't? So Danilo kind of intervened and, and put and put a canceled that <laughs> debut, and then obviously put it off until now. Now he feels he's much more ready for those uncomfortable positions. So a credit again to the gyms and the training around here. That's why we're able to put on such high quality matchups is because they're led by incredibly capable and professional people. Absolutely. And one of the like one of the simple things that like a wrestler is going to do is post a, post an arm and in MMA like your your arm will be taken off like you someone's going to rip it off and beat you. And so that was one of the concerns is like simple things like that like that he needs to know not to do. He's going to be find himself in those situations and we haven't spent enough time together to know like you know to to be ready for that so yeah you mentioned something ryan c as well well you both both ryan's actually mentioned it but i feel like ryan c intentionally pinpointed it to uh set the next fight up to talk about because he said you look at a guy's topology you see boxing you see muay thai that's the kind of guy that shows you know that he's staying active and well-rounded um comma worthy in the main event he's face facing jeremiah scott of course Everybody in Pittsburgh knows about Kama, knows what he's done, the incredible things. For sure, one of the most legendary fighters ever. 
out of Pittsburgh, went to the UFC, won a couple fights in the UFC, finished some guys in the UFC. Just doesn't really happen at this level. So no doubt one of the best. Jeremiah Scott is a name that you're probably a lot less familiar with in Pittsburgh, but he's the guy I'm talking about with Muay Thai boxing experience. <clears throat> you look at you look at his topology and eight MMA wins. He has seven finishes. So he's a finishing machine. He competes in professional boxing, professional Muay Thai. He stays very active and is extremely comfortable on the feet, which is probably where Kama wants to keep this fight too. So when you look at this matchup, it becomes uh, – what's going to happen? Like, I'm honestly not sure. You just think, oh, Kama Worthy's back on the regional circuit. He's probably going to steamroll some guy. You really dig into Jeremiah's record, and it becomes very clear that this is a dangerous guy. Go ahead, Ryan. See? Uh, well, one other thing I'm going to say with Jonathan Scott is expect the unexpected. Like, he, he's he's been a bit of an unconventional guy. He'll come right across the cage and get in your face. Um, perpetual motion. Now, with that comes uh, a gas tank that kind of goes away in a little while. You get into the deep second, third rounds, the, especially the tail end of those rounds, and you see him slow down a little bit. But is that is that going to happen in this fight? Like, are we looking at 15 minutes of these dudes going with these two styles matched up? I don't see it. Um, you're right. Boxing, Muay Thai. He throws spinning attacks. Um, it, Jonathan Scott, I think, is the perfect matchup for Kama because he's going to give Kama exactly what he wants. He's going to get right in his face. And one more thing, when you mentioned earlier, you guys were talking about, you know, you see somebody who's fought at LFA or they fought at some of these other promotions. Jonathan Scott's last fight. Jer was Jeremiah. Oh, I'm sorry, Jeremiah. My bad. Um, Jeremiah Scott's last fight was at XMMA where Ben Saunders and Randy Nidrum are in the main event. Kyle Bochniak's Chris Curtis, Will Brooks. I mean, he is used to being on this stage um, and coming from out of town. He's traveled. He's gone places. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I could talk a little comma also. Um, I know you have some thoughts, Ryan, but one quick thing. I talked to comma uh, about the Jeremiah Scott fight last night, and he said, look, when you when you go from the Big Ten, if you're playing basketball and you're dominating and you're real good in the Big Ten and then you make it to the NBA, you quickly find out there's levels to this game. Because I straight up asked him, like, you know, sometimes you ask a fighter a question, you know what the answer is. But Jeremiah Scott's coming in to make his name off of comma worthy. And anytime you come back from the UFC, everybody knows what everyone's trying to do. Kama said, I'm taking it one fight at a time, but he wants to get back to where he was. Jeremiah Scott thinks I'm going to take Kama Worthy's place by going in and knocking him out or winning this fight because now his name is on the map. Not that it isn't already. Um, but with that being said, Kama says there's levels to this game. There's levels yep. to this game. And there is levels to the game. But the question coming in, is Jeremiah at that level right now? And, and that's the big question. Um yeah, like you stated it, Ryan, a lot of movement with um, Jeremiah. He's very uh, – like when I think about how's this fight going to take place, I I don't expect anyone to be shooting for a takedown. I think both guys are going to want to stand. Um, the, you know, I tend to get proven wrong on those, and I think the world gets proven wrong on those. But I anticipate a very action-packed – when you see Jeremiah moving around the cage, he, he has a lot of movement, a lot of kicks, head, body, and, and leg kicks. 
he has a very diverse attack. You said spinning back fists, and he has a very, very uh, great skill set. He competes in boxing, kickboxing. He does all kind of stuff. So he has a very um, unique skill set, and, you know, I'm looking at my notes. Awesome footwork, all that said. When most of the cages he's been in, so we have a 20-foot cage. He's fought in a lot of 30-foot cages. So there's lots of room to, like, work and move around. He's not going to have that same um, level of, of space that he's able to create and kind of dip in and out. Um, we still have some of that, but ultimately a 20-foot cage is a different experience. I expect this fight to be absolute fireworks. I expect these two amazing high-level strikers. Kama's known for saying, like, I'm the type of guy, like, we're going to light the fuse, throw the bomb in, and see what happens, see who comes up, yep. see who's still standing. That's the fight I expect to see, and I can't wait. Oh, yeah. man. You know, I've, I hear this all the time from guys who train with Kama, and actually Richie Canalino is one of the main guys who was, who was telling me this a while ago. I'll never forget it. He was like, man, I'll tell you what, as far as sparring, I would hate every day I ever had to spar with Kama Worthy because you watch him from afar, you watch him on tape. And like the, Richie is not the only guy who has told me this and like at separate times. So I know it's 100% true. They say you watch him on tape and you have an idea for what he's going to do. Okay, like I can do this. I can get inside on him. I can do this. I can do this. Then you actually get in there with him and you can't do anything that you thought you could do. Like he's way longer, way more powerful than you expect. And the range is weird. Everybody says the same thing. Fighting comma, the range is so weird for me. Like you just can't figure out how do you touch this guy. So I think Jeremiah for sure has an idea of what he's going to do. And he may. He may have it figured out because I, that's I think another. If there's someone that can figure that out, it's him. The way he moves, it's it's. This is a dangerous fight for Kama. The way he moves is different than most it guys. Is. It's very unconventional. And I think, like, this is a matchup that, that is going to be fireworks. It I, is, man. And that's – I just wanted to add real quick, like, on the back end, kind of the behind-the-scenes side of things, Jeremiah and his team was extremely quick to take this fight, like, to the point where – I won't. they definitely weren't begging us by any means. There was nothing like that. But they were very adamant in messaging us, like, hey, let's – get this rolling we want this this is the fight we've been looking for this is the guy we've been looking for we want this so they they like see something with comma like you said ryan see the ability to kind of use comma to catapult jeremiah up to where he wants to be for sure is playing a part of it but you don't take a fight just because of that they see something with comma that they legitimately think there is a very real path to victory and that makes it very exciting to me because like i was saying a lot of guys do think that until they're in the cage or until they're sparring with comma so it's a it's going to be a really interesting dynamic like ha have they solved the puzzle or did they get a little ahead of themselves or is it just going to be a super evenly matched fight that does go the distance and shows new wrinkles of both guys because that's for sure an option too so no matter how it goes man the fans are in for a treat yeah i think i think the opportunity presents itself for for jeremiah and his team you know you you it's let's be honest it's not it's not often you get a guy a, a ufc vet and a ufc vet who is coming in his first fight outside of the ufc this isn't mm -hmm. you know a guy who who fought in the ufc five years ago this is a fresh you know and and had success there i told kama when i was talking to him i said 
so I did your your pro your pro debut. I did uh, maybe the one of the fights before he started fighting with you guys, and then I was out in Anaheim when he knocked out Devontae Smith uh, in his UFC debut. And uh, no, you were so, there. Were you at yeah, the show? Yeah, you're live. And I, you know what? I was. I went out there too. Did you really? Yeah, yeah I was. With, I was with Nicole and you know his fiance and and the 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 guys. We yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, that was cool, man. Well, because I had called Devante's fights at the, the local level a couple times also. Um, so, you know, look, it, and Stipe was fighting, obviously. So me and my me and my wife went out there and made a weekend of it and kind of went up the coast of California a little bit. Uh, but the real point of the trip was to go to those fights, guys. Let's be honest. You know, she's a good sport. Well, maybe, maybe your point was to go to the fights. <laughs> <laughs> fair fair sometimes i forget there's two people <laughs> i've done the whole ufc vacation like oh well that weekend would be a great weekend to be in atlantic city or close to atlantic like i've done that yeah yeah yeah. Don't... yeah that was nate nate diaz was on that card too right that's he was i think nate was in the co-main event um, yeah it was an awesome card but the weird thing was like they were the comma was the i think the prelim main event and so everything after that, like, I, it wasn't normal for me. Like, I was kind of on cloud nine, like, you know, the guy. So just a little history. So Kama was one of the first fighters, you know, that had a name that, like, said, yeah, I'll fight for 247. And so, you know, Kama has a very special place in my heart. That's part of the reason why, you know, we... I went out there and, and wanted to support him and be, a, you know, be a part of that experience with him. But, um, you know, we, we really just, uh, I totally lost my train of thought. We, we really just, you know, like he, he, he took a risk and he left what was safe and, you know, the regional scene and, and trusted two, four, seven to, to, to promote him. And, uh, like, so, you know, special place in my heart to have him you know he's the he's the guy him and ethan are the two guys that like the two pros that have that have kind of like you know helped us get started and they're the ones that there are stefan bonner and forrest griffin like they're the ones that you know they ever need anything like <clears throat> we're here like we even let someone who can barely put together two sentences do commentary with you <laughs> in ethan goss last oh. show i mean the, the guy that like is barely out of caveman like he's he's still neanderthal i think there's still some conversion going on with that but um <laughs> hey but in, in fairness if i would have known you were putting somebody with me who has like uh, undomesticated animal as a pet i might have said no <laughs> he does yeah. he does pet raccoon that's a real raccoon. thing well the, the question is 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 ethan the the raccoon's pet or is the pet <laughs> true true no ethan's one of my favorites man and he was and he was solid on commentary too man like he brought it he brought it it was cool man it was easy to work with him um i had called one of his fights back in the day too so it was like you know kind of a reunion and that's that's the cool thing if you're around long enough like like you just said ryan like we started this this podcast talking about Hunter and I and how your paths and you never know in MMA when they're going to meet and who knew you and I were at the same UFC fight in Anaheim, you know, three or four years ago. Like, you know, we may have crossed each other 
uh, in that stadium and not realized it. So it's sure it's cool. it's tight knit community. Yeah, it's insane. And now we're back here. We're all going to be in the same place February 5th for sure in Monroeville, guys. I, I've been excited for this fight card since we announced it. Of course, you're excited about every event at, on the promotion side, but this one, this one's pretty special, guys. And I mean, if you check the website, you know, general admission is sold out right now. There's still tickets available, but it's no joke. Like if you want to show up to this show, man, get those tickets now, like today. I know in the past you can walk up, get your tickets and be assured to get a seat. But this this event's big, you know, as Ryan M said earlier, not promoter speak or anything. I'm not overhyping it, but that's just the reality. We have a set number of tickets that we can sell and seats we can fill in. They're being filled, and once they're done, they're done. So if you want to show up, get them now, get those tickets, and th this card's going to be insane. I mean, we yeah. We haven't talked about our co-main event. Yeah, we really didn't talk about that at all. Like, can what we touch wrong? on Justin? I mean, I even – look at this. I even had the graphic ready for it and everything, I mean, and we there's just – there's so much going on with this card that yeah. it's easy to forget how amazing it is. Josh Armstrong and, and Justin Patton. That's going to be an explosive fight. I think it's crazy. You know, I touched on it earlier. You've got a guy, Justin Patton, who lost as an amateur to Cam Allgaier. And you've got a guy, Josh Armstrong, who lost as an amateur to Hunter Starner. Like, that's that's pretty funny. And now they're fighting as pros. So, like, it all comes full circle now. And Justin Patton is a guy, you know, you hate to use the cliche, like, oh, he's ready to throw down or just guaranteed fireworks, things like that. But... Justin Patton truly embodies that. I know we've talked about it before, Ryan M. Like even at shows where Justin's just there in the corner of somebody in the academy, if you catch Justin backstage, you can tell he's like itching to get in the cage. He he he's a great coach, great mentor, great for preparation for his teammates and everything. But you can tell that he's born to be a fighter. Like he's meant to be in that cage, not instructing from outside it. So. I think it's very, very interesting to see how he's going to react to losing his pro debut the way he did with a quick submission. And I've said it repeatedly, man, but full credit to his opponent in that, Sean Susser, because that was just a beautiful armbar. Justin, I mean, was ready, was prepared, looked ready to go, and he just flat out got caught with a super slick submission. So it'll be interesting to see how he rebounds from that. I was just at the Matt Factory the other day as well. And Justin's been cross-training there a lot. Isaac tells me that Justin looks incredible, looks polished, looks ready to go. He's super excited. So whenever they're excited and the coaches are excited, you know, there's no BS from them, as you guys know, talking to them. They'll, they'll let you know the truth. So to hear Isaac say that just took my excitement up to the next level, man, because this fight's going to be awesome. These are two guys that take tough fights. They're not looking for easy fights, neither one of these two. So – they both started off their pro careers a little behind the eight ball. And now they're they're stepping in, facing each other. They're both super hungry. They want to get on the right path to, you know, a successful pro career. They have big ambitions, big goals, and they work are working super hard to achieve those. This is the opportunity that they're both looking for. Who's going to take advantage of it? One of them is going to get their first pro win and get – catapulted to greater things the other one is going to be starting back at the drawing board how's that going to turn out like get your tickets now man this is i hate to keep like this fight card is unbelievably good like i i know i'm a promoter i know that's what i'm supposed to say but 
Justin Patton. So for anyone who doesn't know, he is like one of the most intense guys. He gets into fight mode and like, you don't want to be around. Like I'm afraid, I'm afraid of that dude. And like when he turns that switch and he goes into fight mode, like, dude, I don't want to cross him. So it's super, in, uh, super great fight. Both these guys are, are very tough guys and have a lot of future ahead of them. And I'm stoked for that to be our co-main event. Just if I could weigh in, just a couple quick comments on this fight. When, when I talked about, and again, I like closing the loop on where we started to, to the ending of the show here, but I, I mentioned like having these really talented and skilled 0-0 or 0-1 fighters at 247. These guys had, I think, 23 combined amateur fights. So they're coming in with a combined 25 fights and they're both 0-1. I mean, these are very experienced with good competition. Um, it, Justin's coming in. He's a purple belt in jujitsu. Um, the one thing I, I thought was interesting about his mindset, he said that, you know, he was a little nervous for that pro debut. And now he's coming in, focusing on what he's doing, not his opponent. And there's kind of that, that switch, that mental switch, that evolution. I still think you're going to see, I'm, I'm nervous around this guy because he's about to go fight and that's who he is. But, you know, as you start thinking through your process and what went wrong and how am I going to change that? And of course, being surrounded by great coaches and that cross training, I think is going to be invaluable. Um, you know, that you kind of get a different outlook to look at things. And, you know, maybe again, that's a little more work. And then you guys go out and go to Maryland and bring Josh strong arm Armstrong in, which is just an awesome nickname, right? Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I, I again, not an easy matchup. For, for Justin at all. And uh, I can't wait to see these two guys go at it, man. I think it's going to be a great, a great setup for the main event. Yeah. It's worth mentioning. I, I, I mentioned how good Susser's arm bar was against Patton. Susser was four and oh, just since Ryan M said it about Justin always wanted to fight the toughest guys. I just really want to illustrate it. Susser was a guy, he was four and O as an amateur with all four stoppage victories and then was one and O as a pro going into the patent fight and submitted the guy in his pro debut as well. So Susser's a two and O pro four and O amateur who knows how good he's going to eventually end up being so far. Nobody's been able to beat that guy. We could, we could end up looking back at that fight against Patton and be like, wow, like Susser's in the UFC. Now Patton fought that guy when he was just starting. Like that's crazy. And, and ultimately like, you know, sometimes the, their coaches have to like pull back the reins on them and, and say, listen, like you don't have to go chasing after undefeated, like, like fight, get, get fights that we match up well with. And, and that's what we're, we're looking to give fair matchups. That's where we want. That's what the coaches want. That's what we want. We, we're not looking for any cakewalks. We're not looking for, we're looking to help everyone get better. And, and I think that we do a good job of that. And that's, that's our goal. It is. And I think that's going to be on full display February 5th, ladies and gentlemen, at the Monroeville Convention Center for Brawl in the Berg 10. Like we said, tickets are on sale, 247fighting.com. Get them while you can. It's filling up super rapidly. We expect an amazing, amazing crowd and atmosphere that night. I know we've been Definitely looking forward to this for a long time. It's gonna be it's gonna be a party Saturday night in Monroeville, man. Like I'm I'm ridiculously excited for this. I know the fighters are excited for this. Top to bottom, we talked about so many of the fights on this podcast, but just 
top to bottom, you do not go wrong with this fight card. Like the very opening fight to Kama's main event, I am legitimately stoked for each and every fight. And I think everybody who shows up will see that too. So any closing remarks from you guys? Anything else you guys want to slide in? I just want to thank Ryan for for joining us on his vacation. So awesome for you to join us. And our sponsors are absolutely amazing. We couldn't do it without you. Our um, so we, we are thankful for them as well. Check them all out. Sunny days in home care, price industries, legacy remodeling, Grandview wealth management and the mat or the rehab center, Matt factories right next door, but the rehab center, they're awesome. We love them all. Thank you guys so much. Those are the businesses you guys need to support. They help Pittsburgh MMA so much and help us. So true. And I just want to tease one thing as well. We got something in the mail today that we are excited to show you guys very soon. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but we're taking 247's production to the next level. We got something in the mail that looks incredible, and we cannot wait to show you guys February 5th. What's up with that, too? Uh, real quick, a couple of things. One, I'm on the production team. I don't even know what it is, so I can't wait to find out what the surprise is. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm not a promoter. I'm not a promoter, but I'm telling you, I am super hyped for this card. If if you have a chance to get some of the tickets that are left, go get them. Come on out to the show. Say hello uh, to both of you guys. Thanks for having me, not only at the show, but on the podcast. I had a good time, and uh, let's do this again soon, man. For sure, man. Thanks for everybody for popping in. Be sure to subscribe to the Pittsburgh Combat Sports Podcast. This is our 22nd episode, 22, 23. It's in that realm. So we've been rolling with this thing, and it's available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Basically, anywhere you listen to your podcast, go ahead and subscribe. We are... We've broken news on here. We've broken fights. Whenever fights have fallen out, we've explained exactly why they've fallen out. We do break down the cards, of course, and things like that. But if you want kind of that backstage, behind-the-scenes look at what we're doing as a promotion and these things that literally you can't learn any other way, subscribe to the podcast, guys. You know, we have really big plans for it and for our guests. We're going to keep getting you guys really top-quality guests. So subscribe to that. It's going to be more than just our cards. We're going to talk about the Western PA combat sports landscape as a whole. And we got a lot of fun stuff planned. So go out and subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Stitcher, wherever you get them. Subscribe, and we will see you guys next week, Friday, live at 10 a.m. Well, yeah, That's, I guess. I, Weigh in, yeah. Weigh-ins are Friday now that I think. We'll make it work. We'll do we'll it. Make we'll it work. do it live from yeah. Monroe as we're setting up. Yep. 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 Perfect. So we'll see you guys then, and it'll be exciting. And by next week, we got weigh-ins, and then the next day is going to be the show. It's showtime, guys. I'm pumped. See you guys then. <laughs>